Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When we take a look at that we're serving our clients mm-hmm. and whether we're in public or whether we're in industry, then we have clients too, it's internal clients. Right. And, we're, and we're there to help them solve the problems as well, as well as we're the information gathering business. Absolutely. And the only way to gather that information is to communicate. Mm-hmm. And ask the right questions and fail at times and learn from that and just keep standing up and going back in. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Stacy Rogers, the Executive Director, People and Culture at Conan Company CPA firm based in Cleveland, Ohio. Stacy offers a unique perspective when it comes to helping the firm develop and maintain A-plus client service teams. As a former auditor who built her career within Conan Company, she has a dual understanding of what clients need and expect from their accountants and how to help the firm train and develop employees to be successful. Essential to the firm's goal of employing the best and the brightest, Stacy oversees the execution of all people and culture initiatives, including performance management, employee engagement, employee development, and recruiting. With a focus on attracting, developing, and retaining talent, she works to ensure the firm exemplifies its foundational principles. Now, I've known Stacy for about three years or more, and what I do know about her is she's very passionate and very knowledgeable about the accounting profession's challenges. And she has a great sense of humor along with her yes and attitude. So before we get to the interview, just a few housekeeping items. Off script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv is available for purchase on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. If you want to learn more about the book or better yet, 
order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by clicking the click to order button. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at petermargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcast from. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Biz Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast video episodes along with this one. And while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually in-person and on-site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Stacy Rogers. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, my guest today is very low energy. It's going to be really hard to kind of pull answers out of her. And I am being so sarcastic right now. This Stacy Rogers, as you heard, that was with us today, and she has more energy than anybody I've known. And she's, she's, we have these great conversations. I'm able to get to Cleveland and we have time. We'll have lunch. And that hour goes back like this. And it's just banter, 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 banter. And the last time I was up, I said, you got to get on my podcast because you get so much great information to share. So first and foremost, Stacey, thank you very much for taking time out of your incredibly busy, busy schedule to spend some time with me on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. This is uh, quite the honor. And I, I appreciate the fact that we get to banter um, some and uh, have others uh, learn from it if possible. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot to learn from what you're about to communicate with us and talk about. Because you've been in the profession for a while. You grew up as an, correct me if I'm wrong, as an auditor in the firm mm-hmm. for a number of years. And then you jumped over to the learning and development and the HR piece. I can imagine, I mean, I, there's always been this three-legged stool in the accounting profession and, and how that has that changed. And you can describe what that's, how, what your perception of the three-legged stool is and, and, and how it's changed, but still the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting, you know, having spent 10 years as an auditor, um, you know, you have your 
you kind of have your perspective on the world. And then when I had the opportunity to come into learning and development and learn more about the firm and the challenges of the firm more broadly outside of my audit world, you start to put pieces together. And then when I had the opportunity to kind of move into the head of um, people and culture, we call it uh, because HR is, you know, depends upon who you are. Sometimes that's a scary word and I don't want it to be scary because what I have learned Pete, is that over the course of time, there are the three things that remain the same. We've got to hire the right talent. We've got to train that talent. And we've got to keep that talent engaged and excited about their careers. That has not changed. And, and it's interesting now that I say that out loud, I actually feel like I'm saying the words of our, our founding partners. I play a video every two weeks for all of the people who are new to the organization. And they talk about that when they started the firm. 45 years ago. So it's that has not changed. And even being in this seat um, as the head of people and culture, that still is the three-legged stool that is critically important to any organization, public accounting or not. Um, it really does boil down to the people and making sure that you have all of those things working together versus putting too much energy and time into one area of that stool and ignoring the other one and letting it get weak. Because if you do that, it's a recipe for disaster. So I have really found that in my role, that's the balance is how do you keep that three-legged stool balancing at all times, despite what's happening around you, within your organization and outside of your organization. So how did that stool react uh, that's really like a still react um, March of 2020. Man, I mean, that was something that I wasn't in this role at that time, but became very clear how actually stable our stool was. And that was that was an interesting kind of revelation in the sense of we had all of the tools in place to make that change in March of 2020, literally overnight. We emailed everybody Sunday, Monday, everybody was remote. Um, all of we, It was almost like we had planned for it, but didn't. And everybody understood and trusted in the organization, which is an important component uh, for Kona Company, that we were ready for this, despite not being ready for it at the same time. So we did switch gears. Uh, it, we really did focus and making sure that that retention leg of that stool was intact and that everybody had what they needed and that we were focused on the people that were in our direct care. That's how we looked at it. Um, do you have what you need? Do you need time to navigate things with your children? Do we need to adjust your work schedule? Do you need to go part-time? Do you need additional tools to work from home? Like how, how can we get you where you need to be? And so that really was the, the leg of the stool that we spent a lot of time with because everything else stopped um, for that time period. And then we quickly shifted to, okay, how do we teach in this environment? What, what are the things we have to teach people that they don't already have in their toolkit about how to conduct a meeting virtually? Right. How, do you, how do you check in your team intentionally when you don't run into them in the hallway? Um, those things don't happen naturally in this kind of environment. And man, how do you connect your AirPods to your computer? How do you switch microphones? How do you, how do you do these things and how do you leverage the technology to its fullest extent? We didn't get that opportunity to really force that adoption. 
um, up until that point. And so we really quickly shifted. Once we made sure everybody was okay and had what they needed, we then transitioned to, okay, now let's get everybody really comfortable in this setting because we don't know how long we're going to be here. And uh, how do we, how do we then uh, really just stabilize both sides of that stool? Because from getting the right talent, because we had done such a great job bringing the right talent in, it, it was a really stable stool going into it. So I've had a, a couple of clients, one in particular on, on the uh, East Coast, and they said one of the things they found out during the pandemic was the high performers in the office turned out to be not so high performers at home. Mm-hmm. And as, these, as this conversation started to build, it was like, well, how do we keep in contact? How do we, how do we make sure everything was okay without being overbearing or seem like a micromanager and it became even more difficult because of flu. Did you guys experience the same thing? I think we experienced it from that angle as well. Um, Recognizing that certain people were more successful in an in-office setting than they were at a home setting. And some of that had to do with the other distractions that were taking place outside of work. I mean, I was very fortunate in the sense that I, when I was home, I was actually home by myself because I had a support system around me that I was able to lean on um, during, you know, with my children and with, you know, a spouse where we were all still able to kind of keep our autonomy. Not everybody had that situation. And even if you had a top performer who was minimally distracted, that may not be their best working environment. And so we also saw the other side of it. Those who didn't perform as well in the office environment started to excel in the at-home environment because they weren't pressured or didn't feel pressured to have those hallway conversations. They were able to focus on the work and they were really able to find their stride in an at-home environment. So I think what we learned in those moments, Pete, was that we needed to be more open to the different working styles of our people instead of, and we became much more people centric in our decision-making going forward. And I think that what this did is it showed, and we ran the numbers and we shared those numbers on the town halls of our productivity. And there was never a blip in productivity after we went fully remote and as we worked our way through the pandemic. So I think what we also learned is that that old mindset of you have to be in the office to be most productive and to build relationships, it was semi a myth uh, to some degree. Now, are those connections still important? And is it easier to connect with someone one-to-one in person versus you know, in 3D versus 2D? Absolutely. Um, However, it wasn't the only way in which to stay connected to our people. And so those who were struggling, we continued, we we created a, you know, a way in which that they could reach out and and get the support that they needed. Um, And some came back to the office, you know, once things stabilized a little bit more quickly, I was one of those. I, I wanted to be in the office. That was where I found myself to be most productive. And actually I found that nice mix of three days in the office, two days home. And that actually created a balance I had never experienced before. And so now that we're kind of back, you know, uh, on the other side of this, and we have moved into a hybrid environment um, where people have that choice, uh, two to three days a week in the office, two to three days a week at home, 
we've seen people embrace every day in the office, like that's what I need, or it's two days, or it's three days, or I've chosen fully remote. So I think it really forced us to think differently about how people and how work gets done. And I think it's been a really positive thing overall. It's outstanding for the firm because it, they're listening to the people. They're not mandating that you need to be back here in the office, which was part of the reason for, you know, people say for this great resignation. We all, accounting firms always got turnover. I mean, that's yeah. just part. But has that turnover during this period of time as we've coming out of this pandemic, has that turnover maintained or has it increased, decreased? In our case, it's increased. Um, I know that a recent survey that I just saw, it's been pretty consistent across the industry that there's been a, an increase um, overall. And it, I think it goes beyond anything within the firm to some degree. Um, a lot of the research shows that during this time, people had the opportunity to step back, reflect, and, and really ask themselves questions that they, they used to avoid. Like, am, am I getting what I really want? Am I getting what I need? Um, is this really what I want for my future, et cetera, et cetera. And opportunities opened up in a way that they've never been available before. I now compete from a talent perspective with the entire country. I don't compete just in my local markets anymore. And so when all of a sudden you've got Google sending you a message to say, hey, you want to come be a part of our finance team? Wow. Like that was never something that I had to even, I could, I would never have even fathomed that was an opportunity. So I think that everybody experienced that kind of increase because of that changing market and that changing dynamic. And people really asking themselves, you know, questions that maybe they didn't pause to ask themselves before. Now, on the flip side of that, <laughs> there is also a lot of research starting to come out. Actually, I was just, uh, there's been articles shared today, um, actually, amongst uh, the leadership of the firm that shows that 12 months later, that 40% of people are regretting their decisions to change and leave because people were driven to leave for money, for, you know, stature for like whatever the case may be. And what they're finding is, is that maybe the money didn't make sense. Maybe, maybe there's more to my career and it's not just a job. And maybe the reason that I left weren't the right reasons to leave. And maybe I need to rethink my decision. And that's not going to be the case for everyone. But we have also seen a pretty large boomerang um, impact, and I anticipate that will continue in the coming weeks and months um, as, as, as things settle down. Uh, the pandemic created so much disruption, it's, it's unreasonable to expect it wouldn't disrupt in this way as well. And so I think that we're getting to a place now where that disruption will eventually kind of uh, level out a little bit. It, it will, we'll never go back to where we were, but I think we're, we're headed towards kind of a rebalancing um, over the course of the next year or so. I, I think so too. And, and quite frankly, you know, people, I wish we can go back to the way it used to be. I went, well, I remember being in elementary school, uh, sniffing mimeograph paper. I don't want to go back to that point in time. I, <laughs> no. I remember, I remember having a, trying to talk to my girlfriend on the phone, but I had like a 30 foot cord that had to walk around the house. I don't want to go back to those days. No. Yeah, and I, I, and I agree. And I don't want to go back to those days where, 
I had to spend, you know, two full days traveling to even just see my team members and be able to have a meaningful conversation. Right. There are times and places for that, but now I can I can do that right from my desk, and right. and I can do that with any one of our ten offices across the U.S. So I I think I actually have stronger and better relationships today because of the adoption of technology and what it can do to enhance what you do day to day. Can can you let it rule your day? Absolutely. There there's 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 always two sides to that coin. But I think if you if you find the right way to use it going forward and and take all of the lessons that we've gained as a result of this pandemic, um, you come out in a much stronger position than you did going into it. Absolutely. And, and, there, and there are a lot of lessons. And I, I get a little frustrated with people who always want to bring out, you know, the, the, the worst things that happen. But, you know, when things like that happen, we all experience something. What did we learn about ourselves as we went from one point to another point? Well, were we resistant to change? Okay, then when did I drop that and have to accept the fact that I need to change? Because that's the one constant in the world today is change. Okay. It just seems like it's getting more rapid and rapid and rapid. But it's that, that flexibility, that adaptability. Um, so let, let's twist the conversation just a little bit. Finding the right people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we used to make a joke back in the days, like, how do you hire your people? Well, we put, well, do you have an accounting degree? Yes. Can we put a mirror under their nose to see if it follows up? Yes, they're hired. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, I mean, it was, it was kind of, you know, somewhat of a joke, but there was, there was a somewhat truth of it. Uh, now, these, these guys are coming out of college and you're recruiting them. When they come to work for your organization, they're coming in with, <clears throat> with an accounting degree. For the most part, a large majority of them have been okay. Most of them probably don't have a, a, the letters behind their name, CPA. Some may can be coming in with a master's degree. Mm-hmm. In those early years, if I remember, you know, there's a lot of time studying for the CPA exam because yep. they to pass it. So they had all the technical knowledge at that point in their life that they needed. There's still a lot more to learn. What's missing from mm-hmm. that new from that new hire? Experience, just life experience. Um, there's, you know. You've got to learn how to communicate mm-hmm. both internally and externally. You've got to learn how to uh, time manage. Like you thought that you were juggling a lot um, when you were in school and in college. And I was one of those people. I mean, I think at one point I had three jobs, played sports and went to school. So, you know, you thought you knew what you were doing from a time management perspective. This is a whole new ball game. Um, and then how you and then the ways in which you communicate, what's effective, what's, you know, what does it mean when, you know, someone comes to you and is very direct and you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to navigate that. What does that mean? You know, some people take it personally and it's like, no, it's just a different communication style. Let's teach you about these communication styles so that you understand. And then writing a four page email is not appropriate. If you write more than two paragraphs, you probably need to be picking up the phone and having that conversation. That is the real life experience that you don't get in a college curriculum. And that's okay. Like that's expected. Um, But that continues to be what we focus on um, when we talk about development with our with our teams and with our people. And it's really just showing them how to operate in the business world. Some have had internships, some have had not. Um, some have worked in professional settings, some have not. Um, so, and then how 
then I think the thing that's been complicated more recently with the, the classes is that they spent two years almost exclusively virtual. Right. And how does that now get played and layered into life experience and your ability to communicate and what is acceptable and what is not? I mean, I have several examples that have already been brought to me that make me shake my head, but how would they know any better? Right. Because they haven't had the opportunity to experience that kind of setting. So how do we support them yeah. in that in that transition and, and learn those skills that are critical to success. I was speaking at a conference, a tax conference, but I wasn't speaking about tax because then that would have been really weird. Um, and after, after my session, it was about, it was something about leadership and communication, whatever. And the older gentleman came up to me after and said, you know, we should do away with the traditional internships and accounting. We should have those students who want to come to work in, in public accounting and in industry they need to do two or three years in the customer service business, restaurants, retail or something to learn how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. Because that's really what we do. We learn how to deal with people. people. And I see, and I see those, and you can almost tell the ones who've had some experience yep. in a younger life doing that versus those who haven't, they're 4.0 students, beta alpha psi, all the, but that piece is missing. Mm -hmm. And, and, as long as we can, as long as we can catch them early, yep. Because if we let it go on too long, it's going to be a hard habit to break. It's real. I mean, it's absolutely real, and it is. It is something that you we. I mean, we look for uh, in in when we're having those conversations, and you know, people tell us all the time. They're like, "Wow, you know, my experience with Cohen and Company was different," and I'm like, "Why?" you guys just wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. That's actually an interview style that we have. Can you just talk to me about something that is not on your resume? What's it? What do you do for fun? What is that experience like when we go through that? Um, and so I always ask the question, I get the opportunity every two weeks to meet with our new hires, uh, lateral and right out of college. And I ask them the question, why Cohen? You had so many options, and I know this because I know this. Mm -hmm. What landed you here? And 90% of the time, the answer is my experience with the people here was different. Um, and it's because we really work to draw those kinds of skills out um, as a part of the interview process, because at the end of the day, your that tax partner was absolutely right. There is a difference when someone comes in with the ability to how to navigate a client problem without me having to teach them how to do that or has a natural instinct to know where to go next versus ignoring it. Cause I've had that too, where it's like, Ooh, that feels gnarly. Maybe yeah. I don't want to touch that. And it's like, no, no, no. The, le the, le the more time between the time that you touch that and the time it gets to me, not good. We have to address those kinds of things quickly. So People with customer service experience know that, and they they know how to de-escalate things in the right ways naturally as a part of their training. So, I, I remember when I was teaching at Ohio Lincoln University, I developed a relationship with the lawyer at the time, and I would you know I get to the point where the, uh, the head of HR called me and said, "Who do you got?" Well, I got this one guy, and just trust me because this is back in. Uh, 
it was a long time ago, and ODU is just like this small of an institution. I'm fighting against OSU. My students were smart. So I get this one kid. He was great. Next year, who do you got? Said so this woman, great. Next year, who do you got? Said so another person. Next year, who do you got? I have no one. So what do you mean you have no one? Uh, I have no one who has thick enough skin to handle the world of public accounting right now. I could send you someone, but it's not going to work out. And my credibility is going right down the drain. So ask me again in the following next year. year. Next year. Because it is, it is a different world. And, it it, and you have to have that thick skin. But you also have to be driven and be able mm-hmm. to communicate. And I, I think everybody realized that I was being very sarcastic at the beginning because you had what, three jobs, played sports, went to school. I mean, and you keep yourself very busy and you're very driven. So it's, right. it's, fine. it's almost like finding, finding the, those high performers who are just not technically savvy. Right. Because in the, the thing that I think is important for people to also consider is that many times you can teach accounting. I mean, there, every once in a while, you come across that person who just cannot put those pieces together. And that's okay. And they know that, and we're not going to try to, but you can teach accounting and you can teach the technical and you can teach, you got to have a passion that goes beyond the actual literature and the technical nature of what we do. Um, I think that at the end of the day, people who want to help people further their business, solve their problems. I mean, we, we, we give ourselves a hard time all the time that we're so focused on solving other people's problems. We never open like the door to look at our own and really deal with those um, at the same time, because we are so hardwired to always go straight to problem solving. That's just what we do. And those who really find a long-term career in public accounting, that's what they love. They love that that ability to help and to solve and to just create a better end result for the people that we do this work for. And so I think that if you can look past just the, did I get my accounting degree? Did I do those couple of other things that I have to check the box on to get my CPA? Yeah, that's important. But like you said, it goes beyond that. And it's that it's what is driving you to want to do this kind of work. It's not because this stuff is sexy. Um, you and I can talk about that all we want. And it's not, um, you know, reading tax code does not keep like people super engaged. There are those people and I, they are, a, they are a gem yeah. that you will hold on to very, very closely. But the vast majority of us don't wake up wanting to go do that. We don't wake up wanting to go read FASB. Like that is not what we do. We, what we do is we do it because we, we care about the people that we do it for and we want to help them. We want to help solve their problems. So I think that that really gets to the core of everything. I think every accounting chair in the country should listen to especially would be just that yeah. and, and, and begin to share that in the classroom. Uh, because, you know, we, when we take a look at that, we're serving our clients Mm-hmm. And whether we're in public or whether we're in industry, then we have clients too. It's internal clients, right? And we're and we're there to help them solve the problems as whether as well as we're in the information gathering business. Absolutely. And the only way to gather that information is to communicate mm-hmm. and ask the right questions and fail at times and learn from that and just keep standing up and going back in. It, it takes a, it takes a bit of tenacity to be a, a to work in the accounting profession. And I think people underestimate the power of 
communication and building relationships and how critical that is to everything that we do. When I came into learning and development, I haven't had a lick of training, a lick of anything, but I knew how to network because of my career in public accounting. I had learned the importance of building a network of people around you who are way smarter um, and who can I can lean on when I come across something that I don't know or understand. That is something that public accounting teaches you is how to surround yourself with those kinds of people. And so when I came into learning and development, guess what I did? I built a network and it literally overnight, I, I was able to build a network that has served me time and time and time again in ways I could have never imagined. Um, and then, you know, the ways in which we all get connected is just, it's so powerful. And then when I came into HR, guess what? I was leaning on my learning and development network to say, who, should, who do I need to know? Who do I need to talk to? Introduce me to the right people. And literally 10 months into my role, I have, I wrote down four names today of people I just needed to call and ask a question to. And I believe wholeheartedly that they are, you know, the most important resources that are around me. So I think that that's the other thing that people miss in talking about public accounting and, and the opportunity that it provides. It's there, there are life skills here that translate no matter where you go and where your career takes you. And I don't know many professions that give you this kind of toolkit that allows you to be successful in almost any industry. And so, you know, like when, when people ask, you know, how do we continue to get people to want to be a part of this profession? Let's talk about that toolkit. Let's talk about, let's not talk about the accounting knowledge and the tax knowledge, which are all very helpful. Let me tell you, the number of my family members who call me to ask me tax questions, even though <laughs> I've prepared maybe 10 in my lifetime. But at the end of the day, if we know how to get, we know how to collect that knowledge, like you talked yeah. about, we know how to build those relationships. We learn how to communicate. Those are life skills. Those are skills that will take you wherever you want to go. And I think public accounting is a beautiful way to get that started. And if you can find a firm that supports you in your career and where you want to be, you don't ever have to leave public accounting to get the opportunity to, to try it all out. That's good. I've uh, experienced working in public accounting because of different types of clients that you can work on the different things that you can do. And, and I remember I asked some of my students back in the day, they were saying, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to get my accounting degree. I'm going to go work at a firm. But what I really want to do is go work for the DEA and carry a gun. <laughs> or go work for the you know the FBI and the forensic side of stuff. Yeah. But you know, and when I got into the profession later in life, it dawned on me rather quickly, like, oh my God, there's so many variety of doors that you can go through. Yeah. And from from the guy who's not really good at doing taxes and accounting, but can apparently can take an exam and pass it, you know, to find his way into a section of that profession that I, I can't I can't begin to pay the profession back for all that it has given me. I couldn't agree more. And, and, I, and I give a lot of, I, you know, it, it's it's it, until you get inside of it, until you can put away some of that other stuff. And to your point, network. Mm-hmm. And, and I had the, so the, the, the question I've got for you is what was it? How did where did you did you learn how to network prior to uh, coming into the accounting world, did you learn how to network while you were in college and, and working three jobs and doing this? Or what What was it that, because a lot of people hear that word and they go, oh, I, I don't want to talk to, I don't like talking to people. What did the introverted accountant say to you? 
I forgot the joke. Never mind. I'll think about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it out of my head. But what what was it in you that that knew that that was that was important? It was it was ingrained in our firm culture. Um, and so while I had a really big network just because of all of the different ways that I was involved mm -hmm. um, over the course of time. There was no intention there. Um, there was no thought. There was no, and I can't, I can tell you that I probably don't rely on that network that I had leading up to coming to Cohen um, just because I, I wasn't being intentional about that. Um, at the firm, that was a critical component. Like you walked in day one and there was an expectation that you were building a network. Now there's, you know, very clearly business development objectives that come along with that over the course of time as you continue to grow in your, your career. But really what it boiled down to, Pete, and I've, I've served on multiple panels uh, for advisory boards and at college levels at, you know, entry level. And I say, don't think about it as this scary word of networking. Think about it as building relationships because that's all it is. Whether or not it leads to a business development opportunity, I mean, that stuff takes years to develop. But let me tell you, if you have a network of people you can trust, who know what you know, and who can lean on you and feel confident to call you in those moments to say, hey, can I run something past you? That's where all of those opportunities develop from. And that's where your career opportunities develop. That's where you learn new things. You meet new people, Pete. That's how you and I got introduced. Right. It was not because you and I were being purposefully networking and going out there with a list of, I'm going to call 50 people that I've never met before. No, you and I met because of a mutual relationship yeah. where we, we just trust that person to introduce us to other good people. Right. And that is where I spend my time is with people I enjoy spending my time with and people who are experts in their field. And once you find and surround yourself with those kind of people, you will build a network and relationships that will last you a lifetime that go well beyond the purpose of building, uh, you know, business. Um, and I, I think you could probably speak to that even as you went into, you know, your own business. I, I, absolutely. Uh, but as, as you were describing that, I, I just want to, I, I, I'm Richard Nixon, I want to make this perfectly clear. When you're building this network, it's not all CPAs in that network. Oh, it's, no, no, no. It's a very diverse kind of an entrepreneurial network. Absolutely. That, it, But a lot of times we, when we think of networking and we're in a business and I tend to network with the people that I know and I can communicate with and I don't venture outside of that, that you limit, it's almost like a click network. You're limiting right. yourself to, to information and knowledge and help. Absolutely. And diversity of thought is not there. And I think that, and if you, if you go back to kind of what I originally said, it's, Surrounding yourself with people who are way smarter than you on topics that you don't know. Right. That is building a network. Right. And so if I have an insurance question, guess what? I got a, I got a gal for that. And <laughs> if I've got, if I've got a legal question, I got like three guys and gals for that. Yeah. And if I have, you know what I mean? Like that's, that is what, and guess what? Those are the more fun people to hang out with anyway. You get to hang out with accountants all day, every day. Why would, why do you want to keep growing that network? I mean, and you should network internally. And sure, I will, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to draw a really hard line there and say that is just as important within your organization as much as it is outside of your organization. But how you go about that 
internally is different than how you would go about it externally. Absolutely. You, but you still should be surrounding yourself with the people in your finance department and the people in your marketing department, getting to know those teams, how they operate, how they function, your people and culture, HR function. Like they are all important people to your continued career growth as well. So it's all important. So thinking that, thinking that, that, that story and going, okay, so if you're, if you work in an organization, it's not, not all full of accounts and you're, you're a CPA and you work in the accounting finance department, when you go looking for information and you walk into somebody's office, oh God, the accounts here. They're always looking for something. They're always telling me, you know, there's a stereotype. Absolutely. There's, there's an absolute stereotype for accountants. However, if you network yourself around that, around that building with the sales, with HR, with distribution and get to know them, all of a sudden you're not that CPA anymore. No, you're not. You're Stacy from accounting. Cool. Exactly. What do you want to know? Because now we've built that relationship. There's and trust. There's trust. Yes. And trust doesn't come overnight. No, it takes effort. It takes intentionality. And it it's just, it's a critical component to get done what you need to get done. Mm-hmm. And I think the most successful people are those who recognize that they can't do it alone. And if you think that you can accomplish all of your goals, on your own, you'll only get as far as your own head and your own ego will take you. It's really when you start to expand and understand who are all the right people that I need to surround myself with in order for the organization to be successful. Make it not about yourself. And it changes the way you build, approach re- new relationships. It changes how you think about your network. It's like, what's not just good for me, but what's good for the the greater good, whether it's organizationally or, you know, just within your community. I mean, those are the things that change and, and change direction. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm glad you went down this networking path. I, Cause I, you know, we tend to push it aside a little bit, I, I think, especially actually anywhere in our, in our development within our, our careers, but that's something that needs to be taken on head on first things first if you can learn about it, if you're in college and stuff, there's networking events. Right. Attend them. Yes. And, and, and well, people say, well, what do I say to somebody? Hi, my name's Pete. What's your name? Or and the best advice I've ever heard. And it make it about the other person. Again, right. take the spotlight off of you. Right. Go in curious about that person that you're right. talking to. Yeah. Guess what? People love talking about themselves. Like it's <laughs> it's a natural human behavior. Mm-hmm. Use it to your advantage. There's no reason to to not. Uh, and it it takes some of the the threatening nature of it out of the equation. And since we're the information gathering business, what, what I've been doing over the years is someone says, "So tell me what you do." I say, "I tell you what. Well, why don't you tell me about yourself? Tell me about your business. What do you do? Are you the owner of the business?" And just let them go. Absolutely. And, you, and you're just picking up nuggets left and right, left and right. By the time it gets to you. Well, you've got these nuggets that, well, you know, this is something that I would be working on, or well, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to know a little bit more about it. Um, it's, but just like you said, not make it about yourself. Make it about them. Be curious. Have that. Accountants should have curiosity as part, of, as part of their DNA. And, 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 and using that curiosity throughout your career, especially when you meet people. And I also, get, when you get curious and meet people, that you'll get this gut feeling about them, whether it's, oh, God, you need to get away. Well, this, I, this person seems trustworthy and go with your gut. 
Mm-hmm. Your instinct. I, I just told someone on my team today, trust your instinct. Mm-hmm. You said you felt funky about that. You, your instinct was right. Cause trust it. If you're, if you're really getting to that place of, you know, just listening and being curious, your instinct will always kick in and you have one, you have to listen and you have to do it with intentionality and curiosity. And if you do that, it will serve you time and time and time again in networking, in getting the right talent in the door, retaining that talent, really getting to the core of what's, what's getting at them and also what their development needs are. I mean, that's the solution to any of our challenges is listen, communicate, and then do so with curiosity and intentionality, and you'll get to the right answer every time. I think I'm going to stop that there because that was profound. And I mean that with all sincerity. If if those of you who listen to this, rewind. God, sounds terrible. Get get your eight-track tape and rewind it. Just (laughs) scroll back or whatever and listen to that piece again because – that's the secret mm-hmm. that's so simple, albeit so hard. It, it is so hard. And if it was that simple, everybody would do it. But it takes extreme self-control, extreme awareness, yeah. and uh, an extreme uh, intentionality and discipline to do it well. And so it's really hard to quiet the ego. It's really hard to quiet some of the other things that distract us from being able to serve in that capacity. But when you create that time, you carve it out and you're intentional about it, that's when you learn the most. And I think that's when you can also make the best decisions um, and doing it from a place uh, that is meaningful and impactful organizationally and, and usually for the individual as well. Absolutely. Stacey, I can't thank you enough for taking time out. This was a blast. Uh, I got to get you back on in a few months. I mean, I, I we could Happy go to. down a, a thousand different paths and stuff, but it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so very much. Uh, I look forward to our paths crossing this summer at some point in time. Uh, and um, keep keep carrying the flag. Keep, keep fighting the good fight there because you do such a great job with it. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for continuing to keep me engaged in these types of conversations. This is so much fun. And uh, I just really appreciate the time to your feet. I want to thank Stacy for her stories on why it's important to be a well-rounded accountant and the urgency for accountants to become better and more effective communicators. Remember, there are people who prefer to say yes and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventure they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they obtain. Be a yes person. And thank you for listening. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.